0: Welcome to Chicken Bites. In this podcast, we unpack the issues which are currently facing the South African poultry industry. Today, we welcome Dr. Sean Biskop, who is a qualified veterinarian who's currently with the University of Pretoria and somebody who consults to the poultry industry on avian flu, which is our subject of today. And I wanted to start off by giving a little bit of a background. What we've already established is that avian flu was identified. It's been around for a long time, but it was identified as a flu virus in around about 1996 in the Middle East. But since then, it's spread all over the world. It has now become a huge problem for the poultry industry. I think, Dr. Bischoff, I'm right. Let's start by saying when it was first identified in Hong Kong. It was identified for the purposes of its impact on humans. Is that correct? Not so much as a threat to the poultry industry. Is that right?
1: That's a good question. It's very difficult to pin down exactly when the original outbreak of bird flu started. And and I'm aware that there were sporadic outbreaks uh, throughout the 20th century in different parts of the world. But starting in about 1996, we started to see a situation where the outbreaks became more and more persistent. And pretty much since 1996, there's been some sort of an outbreak of bird flu going on somewhere in the world on a fairly continuous basis. And initially, the problem, as you say, was in Hong Kong. And there were very substantial deaths in the poultry population in Hong Kong at that time. And then, yes, there were very deep concerns at that time when we started to see a small number of human cases as well. And I think we need to put it into perspective that although we did start to see human cases of bird flu at that time, they were really very, very small numbers of people affected.
0: Mm. But then it's taken over and it's now affected every single country on Earth. Why is that?
1: starting in about 1996 there was a particular strain of avian influenza it it happens to be an H5 strain of avian influenza that then started to spread worldwide so what tended to happen prior to that was you would get a particular strain that would emerge cause a problem and then disappear and when we say emerge what we mean is that it would emerge from wild bird populations mm. so the normal situation with avian influenza Over the last century or so, and probably before that, was that it occurred in in wild bird populations, particularly water birds. And these birds would get a a dose of flu, but they typically wouldn't die and they frequently wouldn't even become particularly ill. The virus was well adapted to the wild host. Mm. And then what it does is it spills over into commercial poultry populations periodically. But the situation remains that it's not really very well adapted to chickens. So it tends to flourish for a while and then disappear at a particular location. Mm. And then in 1996, we started to see a particular strain that would appear repeatedly in in commercial populations and also started to develop an ability to sustain itself in these poultry populations better than the original strains. And that situation steadily got worse between 1996 and by 2014, we found that we were getting really severe outbreaks over widespread areas. Mm. And that emerged as a lot of these things do in the Far East, simply because you've got very large populations of susceptible birds, humans, all living quite closely together. And then it, it gradually spread with the migratory birds into Europe, the Middle East, and subsequently started moving into Africa and, and most recently, I think about two years ago, was first identified in North America and then spread down to South America. Yeah. All of this, the long distance movement is by wild birds. And then in each case, it finds a way to find local poultry populations and then explodes in a spectacular manner into those hmm. flocks.
0: But why is this? Is it because, I mean, when we talk about these, these diseases that seem to have exploded, the feeling is because of overpopulation where wild animals are now coming into closer proximity to domestic animals in the same way that wild animals are now coming into closer proximity with people etc so it's easier for to jump to the commercial flocks does climate change have something to do with it is it is it human activity that is making it worse what are the reasons that this is now exploding all over the world
1: I think your your analysis is quite correct. We suspect all of those things are playing a role. And a lot of these situations with viruses, you could say is to some extent a statistical situation. Viruses, every time they replicate, there's a relatively predictable risk that there will be some level of mutation during that replication. So the more virus you have replicating, the more likely it's going to do something, shall we say, creative with that replication. It may acquire a new ability, such as, an enhanced ability to infect domestic poultry. And of course, if you've then got larger numbers of humans and closer contact between them and wild animals and fewer truly wild areas, the moment that that virus acquires this ability, it is then more likely to be a successful mutation. So yes, in in broad terms, I think that is probably part of it. And then, of course, as we know from many other pandemics, we know that viruses are constantly evolving and there's always a risk of, of something changing.
0: Mm. avian flu arrived in South Africa around about 2017, but you said that the the current outbreak is different. So what is new about this latest outbreak?
1: Well, let's go back and say in 2017, it felt quite new then because that was when the H5 strain that I referred to earlier first arrived in South Africa. Mm -hmm. Prior to that, we did have other strains of flu here. Uh, There were some much earlier isolates in, in wild birds but they didn't reach our chicken populations. And subsequently, we also had what we call low pathogenicity Influenza viruses, avian influenza viruses circulating amongst wild bird populations also made it into our poultry populations. but these low pathogenicity viruses do not cause major mortality or significant losses so then, in two thousand and seventeen that changed, and the h five which had been circulating worldwide, finally made it here. We assume as a result of the movement of migratory birds. I think we 're quite fortunate in South Africa where rather at the end of migratory routes than in the middle of them. So that's perhaps why we were one of the later countries worldwide to actually Mm. get the the H5 strain. So Mm. in 2017, and again in 2021, in essence, we had outbreaks of H5 viruses. And they behaved as they have done across the world. They, they got into our poultry populations. They caused very significant losses. I don't have statistics on hand right now, but certainly significant enough that the industry was badly hurt by these outbreaks. The present outbreak of 2023, though, was a bit of a change. Initially in, in April this year, we saw some H5 viruses and we lost a couple of million birds uh, in the Western Cape, and it looked like it was spreading up the coast, and it looked very much like previous outbreaks. And then something rather unusual happened. We discovered an outbreak of bird flu in the area around Delmas to the east of, of Gauteng. Relatively quick laboratory analysis showed that it was, in fact, an H7 strain uh, of the virus, which is not at all related to the H5 strain. Mm. And this is simply a case where viruses that circulate in wild birds, as they do fairly naturally, for whatever reason, mutated and developed the ability to infect chickens. So now we have a virus that is very well adapted to chickens and they spread dramatically. We find that it is dramatically more contagious than the H5 it spreads more easily it spreads more quickly because of this very specific adaptation to chickens sure. which is very bad news if you're a chicken but in the case of wild birds it seems not to be able to infect them very successfully so we're also not relating the spread of this disease to to wild bird movements which is basically the case with with the H5 viruses which can infect a very wide range of hosts, wild birds, domestic poultry, and then even some mammal populations. Marine mammals have been affected and even farmed mink as an interesting aside.
0: Sure. So what has happened here is that a new strain has developed, which hits poultry almost exclusively with a little bit of jumping to other species, established itself in South Africa. So it's now become a long-term threat to our poultry industry. Is that correct?
1: Just to clarify, it, it shows no tendency to jump to other species. It's only oh. the H5 that has this ability. Okay. And and luckily, we are we are able to do molecular sequencing on the viruses. We have sufficient information to know what genetic markers tell you whether a specific virus is likely to have the ability to infect mammals or humans. And this specific virus has none of those markers. Okay. So we're very confident that the risk of, of human infection with this H7 virus is extremely low that's that's a biologist saying to you we believe there's no risk but with biology we always have a certain (laughs) level of ambiguity of course
0: that's reassuring for humans but not reassuring for the poultry industry because it looks like this is now a, a fairly existential threat to our poultry industry what is currently being done about this
1: Okay, so sorry, your, your earlier question related to, you know, is this a long-term situation? This is definitely a, a significant existential threat. But interestingly, when you do get a virus mutation like this, uh, H7, it's very difficult to predict whether it will be here next year or not. It may well persist for some time. It may well equally easily disappear. These viruses tend to be much more active during the winter months. So there is a possibility it will disappear again from our shore's Quite soon. No way of telling. On to your next question, which was, what are we doing about it? Well, we found that, particularly with the H7, which is so very contagious, that it's extremely difficult to control the spread using conventional strategies related to to biosecurity. Mm -hmm. which really means we have very strict access control to farms. People don't routinely move on and off chicken farms. Vehicles are restricted. Everything is very carefully disinfected on these farms to limit the risk of disease introduction. That has proved reasonably successful with H5, but much less so with the H7. So that has been part of it, but in essence, it has not been successful.
0: Hmm.
1: So the other tool that is available is vaccination. The industry is of the opinion that we really need to bring vaccination in as a tool in order to fight this disease. Hmm. And the benefit of vaccination is in essence that it allows infected birds to survive And very importantly, what it does is it also means that a bird that gets the disease will shed a lot less of the virus than a bird that is completely naive. And that means that each time a farm is infected, it's much less likely to infect a neighboring farm. And the neighboring farm in turn has a much higher level of resistance to the virus. Mm. So instead of a virus moving very quickly through, let's say, 10 or 20 farms, you would have a situation where it moves much more slowly through hopefully only one or two farms. Mm. And that means that you've really protected the other 80% of the industry by vaccinating as widely as possible. Mm.
0: So from what you've said, it sounds like the the organic methods, the biosecurity is only successful up to a point and that the long-term measures will definitely have to look at things like vaccination. What about the current culling? At the moment, the, the way that this is being dealt with is through enormously scales of culling, which is probably having a worse impact on the poultry industry than the virus itself. What is your take on the whole thing that the virus has to be reported and once it's reported, the producer has to cull all their fowl?
1: Okay, so I think we're not suggesting that a vaccination replaces all other measures. But yes, at the moment, we are attempting to eradicate the disease by culling infected flocks. And the logic behind that is that the quicker you kill an infected flock, the less likely that flock is to spread the virus to other flocks. Thus, obviously, reducing the risk that you need to then cull that flock. So the frustration with this outbreak has been, as you say, it it has spread incredibly quickly and the scale of the problem has been massive. We believe as industry that probably as many as 6 million birds have died uh, either directly from the disease or from efforts at culling. And despite all of that, the disease has spread quite dramatically. At this stage, the disease is virulent enough that in broiler breeder birds, for example, they all pretty much die from the disease challenge and there is limited culling applied. They die spontaneously or they're immediately culled for welfare reasons. In the case of laying hens, we find that survival rates are potentially much higher. <laughs> And yes, we, we may have a situation where we need to cull as many as 3 million essentially healthy or recovered birds. Sure. So that is a, a very difficult situation. Mm. It is the correct approach under the present regime where we have no vaccines available. But if we were to have vaccines available, the hope would be that the spread would be much slower and far fewer flocks would be at risk of mm. culling. And there are conversations going on at the moment as to whether birds that were vaccinated but became infected whether or not these flocks would then ultimately have to also be culled or not. And these are complicated conversations. What is best for the industry? What is best for the country? But definitely it would be a lot easier to control these massive outbreaks and to bring them at least partially under control with the use of vaccines. And then obviously to try and eradicate with a much smaller kind of culling effort. Mm. The other huge difficulty we have in South Africa with culling, of course, is that the state is not in a position to compensate farmers who cull Mm. their birds. Mm. Sorry, my my mistake. Compensation is not there principally to make farmers wealthy. The objective of compensation is to encourage farmers to do the right thing. It's only fair that if I'm expected to cull my bird for the greater good of all the other chicken farmers that I in, in some way should be compensated. Mm. Otherwise, mm. one is expecting in essence that each individual farmer should put himself out of business at his own expense mm. in order to try and save the other players in mm. the poultry industry. Mm. If people are not being compensated, this, this becomes very difficult to motivate. Indeed. Yeah.
0: Final question then, just to clarify something, you talked about vaccinated birds. But then you also said that there is no vaccination. Is there a vaccination? Or if there isn't one, how far away are we from a vaccination?
1: Okay, so there are a number of vaccines available internationally. The most obvious and best developed vaccines have been produced for the H5 viruses. Because of course these circulate and are a potential problem worldwide, hmm. and a number of countries do vaccinate. Although most of Europe and North America have not yet made the decision to vaccinate, so H5 vaccines readily available. They have good registration dossiers. Good technical background information is available. And it would be reasonably easy to vaccinate these products. And government is indeed endeavouring to expedite these registrations. H7 virus, as I said, we we kind of invented that one ourselves. So, of course, this has been less studied internationally and there are fewer vaccines available. But there are a few products that potentially could be used and certainly we would like to have a good look at. Also being considered for vaccination, but perhaps with less robust technical information. And then the third possible source of vaccines would be locally produced vaccines. Fortunately, we do have a number of vaccine manufacturers in South Africa with the ability to produce local vaccines from the local strains that we have available. This process will take a matter of some months, but quite realistically, we could quite easily have a range of good vaccines available within a period of, let's say, three to six months from today.
0: Sure. So to wrap up, this is new. It's unprecedented It's scary, it's damaging, it's causing a lot of loss, but there is a light at the end of the tunnel, there is vaccination. So the whole poultry industry is going to have to look at a new way of doing poultry. These kind of disruptions to any industry usually have a cost implication. And already, you know, people are battling with the cost of living and the price of poultry and so on. Is this going to add significantly to the cost of living or is this just going to become absorbed as a normal cost of doing business?
1: I don't have details of the exact price of the vaccines at this point, but I have every reason to believe they will be priced very similarly to other vaccines that we routinely use. And quite frankly, we may well end up taking out other vaccines. So the cost of vaccination per se is not probably going to be excessive. However, there are a number of control measures, monitoring programs, surveillance, which will need to be introduced in flux that are vaccinated in order to ensure that we do not miss a diagnosis of bird flu in these vaccines Mm flocks. That will be a significant cost. I don't think at the end of the day, that is going to have an influence on the the cost of the final product. And again, I think most companies would rather have a reliable, consistent, slight increase in cost, knowing that they have a much safer Mm -hmm. production chain that's not at risk of suddenly losing half of its birds. Mm -hmm. So I think at the end of the day, the, the net cost will probably be very modest, if at all.
0: That's good news. That definitely is the light at the end of the tunnel. Thank you so much for your time. That was an absolutely fascinating discussion. And thank you for putting it all in perspective and giving us some hope that we're going to be able to continue to afford our chicken.
1: Oh, absolutely. I've no doubt the industry will recover from this. The industry has worked its way through many other challenges. And if you look back over 20 years or so, there have been a number of other disease challenges we've coped with.
0: Thank you. Thanks so much. Till next time. That was Dr. Sean Biscop, who is a practicing vet, as well as currently consulting to the poultry industry and an academic with the University of Pretoria. Stay tuned for more interesting podcasts from Chicken Facts. <laughs>